What's up, everybody, and welcome back. It is Friday. It's always good when it's a Friday because that means the weekend is coming. And, uh, well, yeah, weekends are always a good thing, right? At least for the most part. And um, if you're in the Microsoft camp, it was definitely a good week for those guys because they posted some kick-ass uh, quarterly results. Actually, I believe possibly their best ever, at least for this for the Q1 period. But uh, Microsoft uh, Microsoft announced earnings this week of $29.1 billion. That's a B with a billion, which is an increase of 19% year over year. And their operating income was uh, about $10 billion. But most importantly, their net income was $8.8 billion. And for those who aren't super financially savvy, that means that's how much money they actually put away and were able to keep at home for reinvestment or more than likely some dividends and share repurchasing. So a very healthy quarter for Microsoft uh, and kind of shows that, hey, they're on the right path and that they've turned this ship around. And, um, you know, it's kind of hard to say anything real negative about this. The Potentially the one big downer uh, or low spot, if you will, is Azure revenue growth was about 75, 76% somewhere in there, uh, which is lower than their previous couple quarters where it had been near 100%. Now, granted, you kind of run into percentage issues when you start getting larger and larger numbers. It's harder and harder to grow at those rates. Um, but more importantly, the entire industry kind of slowed down in their cloud, 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 good, in their cloud growth, in their cloud growth. Amazon was down. Um, so was Google year over year percentage wise. They're still growing positively in the revenue factor, uh, but just not at these astronomical rates, but still 75, 76% year over year growth in a billion dollar business. Not too shabby, not too shabby. Office 365 crushing it. Uh, 155 million, that's M with a million customers now paying into Microsoft's Office subscription platform, which is a home run, no other way to describe it. On the consumer side, it's around 32-ish million or so. I mean, those are those are huge numbers. But the real interesting one is on the gaming side. Microsoft had a really solid gaming quarter. Now, you're comparing this to year over year, which last year at this time was a bit of a soft quarter. So just keep that in mind because I, they didn't have new hardware out and all that stuff. But um, gaming, gaming revenue is, increased 44%. But more impressively, Xbox hardware revenue grew at 94% year over year. 94, you, you can thank this thing right here, Xbox One X. Uh, it has got to be it because obviously revenue, it isn't how much money they made, that's how much money they brought in. And with a roughly $500 uh, price point initially and still running along that, close to that, uh, you can understand why revenue was so high. But still, uh, Xbox Live monthly active users 57 million. Now, putting that in comparison, Microsoft's high watermark for Xbox Live users is always around the Christmas time, which is at 59 million. So in theory, they're down a little bit from their all-time peak, but but compared to a year ago, they were up 4 million Xbox Live users. So year over year, solid growth for the Xbox family. Um, and Microsoft keeps talking about bringing more things like Game Pass to the PC and you have to think that that streaming solution is going to come to the PC and then you're going to sign up more people there and it's going to be more Xbox revenue. I think Microsoft is on a very, very good path with Xbox. I think they finally figured out how they, they spin this kind of three-year product lifecycle gaming thing into a, a service and with their streaming platform coming down the pipeline with some Scarlet stuff. I think 
I think the future is pretty damn bright for Xbox. It's kind of hard to argue otherwise, um, because if you remember for a couple years, there was this big thing like Microsoft should spin off its hardware businesses like Surface and Xbox because they don't really fit. And yeah, I think they'd be insane right now because look at Surface revenue was up 14%. Um, let's see, I've got the actual numbers here. So da, 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 it was around... $1.1 billion in surface revenue compared to $1.03 billion in revenue for the previous year. So not a massive increase, but still over a billion dollars. That is five consecutive quarters for Microsoft having a PC business selling a billion dollars or more. That's not shabby, folks. That is not too shabby at all. And so you look at these two products, gaming and surface, which is probably Microsoft's uh, best con connection to the consumer, especially Xbox. And people were thinking, ah, they should spin that out because it doesn't really fit into their enterprise thing. Um, I think they would have been nuts to do that because they continue to do perform pretty damn well for Microsoft. Uh, search advertising revenue uh, was up 17%, and Windows OEM Pro revenue was up 8%. And yeah, I mean, it's just a... It was just a good quarter for Microsoft all around. And so this is a good, a good way to kick off their year. And we will be curious to watch as the year progresses because they've got a lot in the pipeline for the next year, especially on uh, the Surface side. I know a decent amount of their hardware that's coming and a couple other things. And so, yeah, working on that Surface book has really kind of paid off. Not Surface book, but the actual book I'm writing about Surface. Anyways. Um, so yeah, other things Microsoft announced is that the enterprise Windows 10 battle. So Microsoft is desperately trying to get corporations from Windows 7 to Windows 10. This is not a surprise. Uh, they've got about 14 months left before Windows 7 reaches end of life. And Microsoft announced that half of their corporate customers are now running Windows 10, which is good, I guess. Um, which means they still have roughly 50% left to get from Windows 7 to Windows 10 in the next 14 months. Otherwise, they're going to have a big problem because after that period, the Microsoft won't be supplying um, security patches unless you're willing to play, blah, 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 blah. Uh, the idea here is that in 14 months, Windows 7, for most people, probably will no longer be secure, and they need to get into Windows 10. And Microsoft is trying just about everything that they can, including throwing free Windows 7 updates for people who are mid-migration when that uh, period or when that deadline arrives. Uh, but we're over three years into the Windows 10 release, and here we are with 50% of Microsoft's corporate customers not running Windows 10. Um, so it's good and bad, right? It, it kind of glass half full, half empty, depending on what side of the coin you're on here, but keep that in mind. Uh, also this week, Microsoft announced general availability of all of their server 2019 products like SharePoint, Skype, uh, Windows Server, all that stuff is now generally available. I don't think anybody's probably installing it in production environments, but you could and you're gonna get the support. Although I think you'd have to be a bit crazy to go and do that. Um, other things that kind of surfaced up this week is that Microsoft is shifting slightly their always connected PC uh, out of the box requirements. So if it's going to be running, well, let's take a step back. Microsoft is kind of on this big push for connectivity out of the box. And what do I mean by that is that it will have cellular connectivity and they call these things always connected PCs because as the name suggests, no matter where you are, you will have cellular connectivity or Wi-Fi connectivity and they're, well, always connected. And a lot of these things based on ARM, uh, that's kind of what most people think, but it also includes some Intel devices. We're going to see a Surface Go with LTE that will fall into this category. And as we know that Surface Go runs an Intel chip inside Pentium Gold processor. Uh, but basically what they're doing is that if it's going to be running Windows 10 Pro in S mode, which is a little awkward, um, it's going to have to have LTE requirement to be able to run that SKU. 
and so that's kind of that. And so that's kind of the highlights here. On a more personal note, I've switched to Firefox. I was using Chrome for a while. And well, Google's had a rough week with some sexual harassment allegations. And um, then their Google, whatever, their uh, Google Plus thing. Yeah, data breach and not disclosing all that. I don't know. I just switched to Firefox because I think it's good to switch every once in a while just to see what's on the other side of the pond. And it's fine. I mean, all these browsers, Edge is fine too. The only reason I didn't switch to Edge because I keep getting this asked a lot is that I use 1Password for password management and the integration of 1Password into Edge is not as good as it is with Firefox and Chrome. Um, in Firefox and Chrome, it actually replaces the password manager. Uh, and if you don't know what that means, it's when you double, when you go to log in, you know how you click inside the password thing or the password field or the username field and it drops down a list. Well, that's what 1Password replaces in Chrome and Firefox. It does not do that in Edge or Opera currently. And so uh, sort of an ease of life, quality of life thing. And so jumped over to Firefox and it's, it's fine. Um, they're all fine, to be honest. So uh, a couple questions this week, not too many. Been a slower but busy week, if that kind of makes sense. Oops, I'm on the, on the wrong thread here. Da, 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 da. Let's see here. So an old Amiga user, nice name, says, is Microsoft's push for always connected PCs the long-awaited return of Windows Phone? So you're not wrong here. Uh, this is kind of what Microsoft is starting to think of as their mobile solution because you think about it, I know I've said this a million times, a smartphone is really just a small screen connected to the internet in your pocket that conveniently does text messaging and uh, phone calls. Now, a lot of text messaging has moved over to platforms like WhatsApp, uh, iMessage, and all that good stuff, which isn't really text messaging, it's just kind of a, an app that connects to the internet. And so in theory, yes, this is where Microsoft is kind of hoping that these always connected PCs are how Microsoft, they're not gonna fully break into the mobile space like have a smartphone, um, but these types of devices are what Microsoft tends to think of as their mobile solutions in the smartphone era. And that's why they're pushing these things so aggressively, trying to get ARM on board with better performance, and they're getting there. Uh, the new 850 chip is obviously better than their 835, but we're still kind of waiting for that uh, holy grail moment to when um, the emulation and, and Windows on ARM is truly a, a feature parity match of the desktop in terms of performance. Currently, there's still overhead in there, and uh, we don't know when that's going to arrive. Hopefully, every generation should make it better, but anyways... So yeah, you're you're on the right path. I don't think we're going to see a return of Windows Phone OS if that's what you're hoping for. I I don't see that materializing um, on these devices. So there you go. And then last question is HRLN GRV says, how often do you use your Surface Studio, which is right here behind me, and what for? Is there any software that runs so much better that it is painful to use the same software on a smaller screen? So I'll tell you, I use it. This is actually my Windows Insider PC back here. And so this is where I run all of the beta software uh, from Microsoft stuff. And so that is what I primarily use it for. My daughter also uses it quite a bit because she likes to color on it. And there's no other machine that, one, I feel comfortable letting her on because the laptop is a little dicey. And uh, she loves the big screen and the pen. And so my daughter uses it for that. Is there any software that specifically runs better on the studio than anywhere else not really to be honest i mean it's just a large touch screen um, everything can be made bigger and nicer and more pretty and when you're a five-year-old coloring that is always the better and it it's just kind of natural for kids because they understand the pinch to zoom functionality 
And so that's really about it. But for me, it's my Windows Insider PC on the fast ring. It's where I run all the beta software because I can just spin around and just start using it and log in and get all the updates and all that good stuff, uh, which is also why this machine is updating about 60% of the time when I'm doing podcasting. So um, that's about it for this week, guys. I'll drop a pre-order link for my book. I know I keep self-promoting that, but there's some really good stuff in there, uh, forward-looking stuff too. And so... Uh, Have yourselves a wonderful week, and we'll catch you right back here next time on The Sam's Report.